Welcome to PR After Hours, your weekly cocktail of news and interviews with leading thinkers in PR, marketing, and business. So pull up a chair in our virtual lounge. Your host, Alex Greenwood, will be right back after this. I always think it's funny when I'm watching a TV show and reporters run up to somebody outside a courthouse or in a police station or whatever, and they pelt them verbally, the person with verbally with questions and shouting, and, and the person just just looks straight ahead, and says no comment, and walks away stoically. You know, um, there's probably a lot of people who do that. In fact, I actually heard, I believe, the president's brother say no comment uh, to a question regarding some topical news going on right now but point being it's very rarely done or if it is done it's a mistake and i'll tell you why there's a great article by the way in um pr news and it's called how to say no comment without actually saying it the reason why i say and most pr pros say don't say no comment is because it makes it look like you have something to hide it's unfortunate part of our system, I guess it's good and bad, that we have the Fifth Amendment. We don't have to speak uh, to something that may tend to incriminate us, correct? Well, of course, we don't also have to comment on anything just because a reporter asks you about it. But what happens when you take the Fifth? A lot of people think, oh, he's got something to hide. And then, of course, when you say no comment to a reporter, people think uh, he's definitely got something to hide. And you may not have anything to hide. You may legitimately have nothing to say at this time. The point is, though, when there's a void of information, people tend to fill it with suspicion. Okay, so looking at this article, there's some great examples here, and I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, of exceptions to the rule of saying no comment, and then some ways to kind of get around no comment without getting yourself in trouble, okay? Now, when a PR pro, a company exec, or celebrity is asked to comment about something she's not seen, what do you think of what John Johnson says about you in this new tell-all book? Well, it's perfectly fine to say, I'm sorry, but the book just came out this morning and I've not read it yet, so I have no comment about its content. Or, can you comment on Bugle.com's story today that says your rival Bill Green has run out of cash and will close his operations? You can respond with, hey, I'm sorry, but I've not seen the Bugle story yet, so I don't have a comment about it. These questions provide a rare opportunity when saying no comment should be part of the answer. And frankly, you look better if you say, I'm not going to speculate on something I'm not seeing. And it also throws into question the veracity of the reporter's question. Not that you're trying to throw shade at reporters, but you know what? There's plenty of times when the style of questioning from a reporter can throw shade at you, and sometimes it's kind of nice to give it back a little bit. Okay, generally though, savvy PR pros should be able to anticipate, and that's part of what we do, and answer hostile questions in a way that provides a quote for reporters without divulging many details or saying the dreaded, no comment. So here's a couple of examples that I really liked. Uh, so here's a question. Why does your agency have so much turnover? Well, your answer could be, our turnover is not unusual for this industry. We treat our employees fairly, but if an employee isn't happy here, we don't discourage them from exploring other options. So the scenario is when your company has a PR crisis and reporters want to quote immediately before you're ready to speak. So you could still say, we're still gathering facts and we'll have a statement after we have more details, right? I think that works. That works really well. Um, when an executive or your company is being sued, you could say we don't comment on litigation. Saying we categorically deny the allegations can lead to follow-up questions such as what about blah, blah. So you want to be careful there. In a scenario when a whistleblower leaks information, 
um, saying that they're a disgruntled employee is a poor response. It just it just looks like the big guy is going after the little guy. So a better answer is, well, we've done nothing wrong. We're looking into the situation, and we'll have a reply once our investigation is concluded. Okay, and think about this. We hear these kinds of things a lot. What about if companies, executives are accused of sexual harassment or racial discrimination? We are looking into the situation and we'll have a reply once our investigation is concluded, which is true. And you should have a reply once the investigation is concluded. And if people are in the wrong, I think it's perfectly acceptable to say, we screwed up, that person is no longer with us, or that person is paying the price, da 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 da. Um, when a reporter wants to know the reason for an executive change, the stock answer is, well, Mr. and Mrs. Jones wants to spend more time with family, right? Not even the most gullible reporters or viewers or listeners believe that one, am I right? A better reply is, after considerable deliberation, Mr. Jones concluded that the goals he wanted to pursue when he joined the company have been accomplished. As a result, Mr. Jones has decided that now is the proper time to seek new challenges. Now, reporters may not believe that response either, but it provides a quotable answer, which is what most reporters need to write their story, right? A little caveat on that, though, according to the article. If the individual is leaving because of wrongdoing, it's just best to say so. As legal and privacy issues are likely involved, be sure to have the corporate attorney clear the statement ahead of time. Uh, a couple other brief tips here. Well-known facts and avoiding sarcasm. Answering a question in a way that goes against well-known facts may result in sarcastic media coverage. For example, calling a legitimate question that you don't want to answer a hoax or fake news is worse than saying no comment. It just results in journalists turning to other sources for information. Instead, try saying, we think your question is based on rumors that our competitors are spreading and will not dignify it with an answer. And this is my final remark on the subject. Now, that response will not, will not stop journalists from pursuing a story elsewhere, but it informs media of your ground rules. Moreover, you've not used the dreaded no comment. Now, another example, a New York Times writer recently asked a Facebook official to comment on reports that the platform might block political ads. The official declined to comment, the Times reported. This is a nice way of saying that the official replied no comment, but a better response is, I'll check on that and I'll get back to you. I've used that one many a time and I was sincere about it. Uh, then always do. In addition, there's a good response to use when you're blindsided, I'll get back to you, provides time to craft a reply. In fact, I often say, when's your next deadline? When's your deadline? I will get back to you as soon as I can. You know, in closing, the article says this, and I totally agree. It's important for you to be known as media friendly and avoid the reputation as a gatekeeper. When management tells you it doesn't want to comment on an issue, tell the journalist, I check with management, and at this time, there's no info to be released. While sometimes that's reported as a no comment, reporters usually understand that you tried to get an answer. Your relationship with them should stay intact that way. And again, that's talking to other PR professionals, especially if you're in a corporate structure. Uh, all of this information came from this article from Arthur Solomon. He was a senior VP, senior counselor at Burson Marsteller. He is on the sole Peace Prize nominating committee these days. Uh, again, I'll put a link in the show notes to the source article, but of course, a lot of these comments were not in the article. They were mine. And I will just tell you that uh, if you think I didn't do a good job on this episode of the podcast and you want to, me to explain myself, all I can say is no comment. Hi, I'm Michelle Stinson-Ross, a longtime listener, occasional guest, and definite friend of this podcast. I am also the co-founder of Mindful Appy. I'm here today to ask for your help. Mindful Appy is about to launch an academic peer-reviewed study to validate how we measure emotion 
with emoji. We need the diverse group of 500 participants that are willing to engage with us over the course of five days. If you're interested in participating in the study and helping us by sharing your feelings for science, please visit mindfulappy.com. That's mindfulappy.com. You know what that means. It's last call here at the Virtual Lounge. Be sure to visit PRAfterHours.com for links to what we discussed in this episode and more. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time for another round at PR After Hours with Alex Greenwood.